Well, the Detroit Tigers lose two ball games in one day. Both winnable ball games at that. Let's talk about it all today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, June 15th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All righty. Well, the Detroit Tigers lose twice in a day. That's never fun. Uh, two games that were very winnable. Uh, it's It's all about perspective with this one for me. Obviously, looking back, we have now lost what eleven of our last twelve. Um, that's that's horrible, right? Like that that's that's terrible optically. That's awful. Uh, not optic. Any way you look at it, that is not great. Um, but this series in a vacuum, right? If you if I didn't remember the last nine games, if that was just not part of my memory bank, and and, and it, or it didn't happen or whatever. If you just in a vacuum would have told me the Detroit Tigers are going to take one of three from the Atlanta Braves, I'd have been like, all right, that makes sense. That's that's probably about right. Um, and at that, both of these games were very winnable. I know that's not necessarily a positive. Uh, if anything, that makes it more frustrating. Uh, but these were three hard-fought games against a significantly better ball club, and you did about what? the rest of the world expected you'd do. Obviously, I'd love to be on here talking about how we exceeded expectations. You win game one, you should win the series. That's like a general rule of thumb in baseball lore. Uh, that That's one that I still subscribe to, like to this day, right? You take game one, that puts you in the driver's seat. You really don't have any excuse, excuse to lose the series. All of that is very true. And I, and again, like 11 of 12 is not good. I'm, I'm not trying to... to construe this into being like a positive or anything we lost twice in a day that's not great uh but overall series to series if that's how we're going to handle this season take every series for what it is uh one of three from atlanta is about par for the course um honestly i guess i would imagine a lot of people honestly would have expected a sweep especially even more so with how they had played leading up to the series so uh the offense woke up to some extent, uh, this this was a, a pretty solid day offensively. Uh, again, both games combined. And the biggest thing was they really attacked the starters in both games really well. One of which is Spencer Strider, who is one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball. So you have a, a, a solid approach, solid execution. We'll get to the offense later and kind of the individual performances and what went right and what went wrong at the plate. Because there is kind of a a trend that I don't really like 
happening. Well, there's about 50 trends happening on the offensive side of the ball that I don't like, but um, one that I really want to hone in on here that was very apparent in this game as well. Um, but I want to start with the pitching because the starting pitching was not great in this ball game. Reese Olsen gets game one. Michael Lorenzen gets game two. Um, I think both give up six runs. Michael Lorenzen's final line was six innings, nine hits, six earned runs, two walks, and just three strikeouts, while Reese Olsen's final line was three and a third, five hits, seven runs, only six of them earned, two walks, two strikeouts, one homer against his ERA balloons up to 6.08 on the season. Um, So uh, there was some frustration I saw out there with – leaving the pitchers in and whatnot. And uh, if you are a everydayer here, if you are a daily listener, even if you're not, I talk about this so much that even if you only tune in like once a week or after wins or like whatever, you're still very, very aware of the inning situation that is currently this starting rotation is faced with. And that is why. Like I, I would, I would imagine that if you are an avid Locked On Tigers listener, that you were not nearly as surprised with the leash that Lorenzen had specifically in Game Two as the rest of the fan base, because innings. That is the only dude. Michael Lorenzen is the only guy that, on a night-to-night basis, you can look at and go, "He's probably going to give me five or six. The only one, Joey Wentz, certainly not. Reese Olsen only went three and a third and probably was left out too long as is. Or they, I shouldn't say left out too long necessarily. They were trying to extend his innings and help him to to help the, the rest of the team, the bullpen, et cetera, and get some innings out of him as well. Left him out there probably longer than they would have if this was like a game seven or something. Um. Matt Boyd certainly has been very inconsistent with the length of his outings. They don't feel comfortable really going to him the third time through the lineup. That's only about four or five innings most nights. And then we had a bullpen day earlier this week. Like, we literally don't have any innings in the starting rotation. So, that's why. Like, that's the answer. It's not, like, uber-complicated. This is just a situation when, especially on a doubleheader, in which the last time you played a game was a bullpen day. That just all screamed. And the day before the bullpen day was Joey Wentz, and you ended up using seven pitchers. So just to recap, seven different pitchers, bullpen day, rain out, doubleheader. And now no day off, four-game set in Minnesota, against the division leaders. You desperately needed innings. More than anything, you needed innings out of your starting pitchers in this ballgame. Reese Olsen did not provide that whatsoever, and Michael Lorenzen, I guess, technically provided it, but he gave up a run an inning on average. He gave up six runs in six innings. Not a great performance by him. So I know it's his job and he's supposed to have the right answers. He gets paid a lot of money to do that. But AJ was really caught between a rock and a hard place in this one. Or in, in this two, I guess I should say. Right? That And again, that's his job to, to weasel his way out of, of 
rocks in hard places. Like that's that that's that's what we we pay him to do. Uh, I, I he he's supposed to be really good at that. That that's the whole point. But this was just a really tough situation where you had to kind of walk the line of okay, am I am I just gonna bail and, and just like eventually they they went to Bristow who is not a major league pitcher and didn't pitch like a major league pitcher. And they had to leave him out there. And they had Lang warming because they had the bases loaded and the tying run at the plate and just didn't come through, as they always do. But they, they okay, four-run game. We're not worried about capping this at four. We just need someone to go out there and finish the ball game. In game one and then game two, they like, they, they I don't want to say they had no choice, but, like, I mean, golly, they, they maybe had no choice. Just been a, a, a really tough stretch. The injuries have absolutely plagued this team to the max. We're hoping that Brisky, Manning, and Scooble all come back within the next couple of weeks, two, three weeks, and can really kind of ease the pressure up of this rotation because I'm sure management, AJ, Federer, et cetera, would love to manage ball games in terms of what gives us the 100% best chance to win, then how do we just make it to tomorrow? And I feel like maybe they got a little bit too aggressive with the make it to tomorrow today. My only gripe, really, is that, again, rocking a hard place, absolutely. Um, I would have just picked one of the games and gone all out on it. And they didn't really do that. They, they left Reese out there too long, right? He got hit around. He, I mean, objectively got a lot of the, the last three. I know that inning was a, just a disaster. Let's get to a break, and then I'll finish this conversation because I, I, I realizing that I have quite a bit more to say about it. But first, let's talk about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are the best. They are stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer, through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They are my favorite shorts. I tell y'all every single day, I am crazy about my bird dog shorts. Uh, they gave all the hosts two pair to just try them out so we knew what we were kind of talking about on these. And I, I could not be happier that I got my hands on some. They are the best. They do the exact same thing as like Lululemon, kind of as far as feel and look except they fit way better and they're significantly more comfortable and they're more versatile. You can wear them to a lot of different events. Uh, they fit be better than regular shorts as well. They're made of a stiff restricting cotton uh, and they have completely fixed this kind of issue by inventing this knit fabric is, is what it's called. And, and it stretches, it's comfortable and Again, they look just like khakis, but you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. All in all, they are just the absolute best. I love them. I wear them golfing. I wear them out. I wear them when I'm at home. They are my favorite pair of shorts that I own in my entire wardrobe. They are the best. So to get your hands on a pair, go to birddogs.com slash lock.mlb, and you'll also get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash lock.mlb for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take off your bird dogs, we promise you. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in 
making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game one against the Minnesota Twins, the division leader. Uh, yeah, we'll get we'll cross that road when we get to it. Uh, let's keep talking about this game. So Reese Olsen definitely is out there for too long, right? Uh, just in the, like he clearly didn't have it uh, there in that inning. Now, the defense did him no favors. It was atrocious. The ump also squeezed him on two or three calls that were very pivotal calls and they were right on the black 50 50 and they just they all went atlanta's way um and I, I don't know whether he's just got rattled or his pitch count got up to 80 or both or or whatever uh but the last like three or four batters of that inning or for him that he faced rather i should say i mean every breaking ball was right down the middle every single one and every fastball caught way too much of the plate he was just he, he went from pretty much in control and uh, really, I thought doing really well the first time through the lineup there, the first couple of innings to just, uh, the moment got very, very big. And, uh, I, I, I don't know, I, again, I'm not sure whether he got overwhelmed or whether the pitch count just got high or whether it was a little bit of both, but, uh, whichever, whatever it ended up being, unfortunately just had a, a really, really rough last few hitters there. And again, the defense did him no favors. Uh, Kerry Carpenter proves every single day why most people have him as a DH long-term. Uh, and and I hope that he can make adjustments and find a way to stick out there because he does have a, a decent arm, like we saw him throw out a runner at the plate earlier this week and whatnot. But, I mean, that's twice in two games we've seen him just completely not able to field a one hopper straight to his chest. And so that's just like adjustments and things that he has to work on. Nick Maton makes an error that doesn't help anything. It was a hard hit ball, but uh, he could have turned two. The runner on second was going on contact. Well, dude was halfway to third base by the time the ball got to Maton. Uh, you could have got a guy in a pickle. You could have gone home with it even the ball was hit so hard. Like, And, and it said you get no outs. And, and so – um, very, very frustrating, not trying to put this all on resource and whatsoever, but, uh, certainly by the end of it was not doing himself any favors. Uh, and then, yeah, again, like then Lorenzen, you just kind of had to stick with. So my, I would have liked them to pick one game. That's what I was saying before the break. I, I, I wanted, I, I would have liked for them to either say, you know what? We are like in game one, like we hit four home, three home runs in the first few innings. We were up four to one, four to nothing. Four to nothing after two. You know what? We're going to pick this game to win. The Braves have uh, their objectively worst starter, uh, a dude that has not really been successful at any level so far this season. Going in game two, we have our ace. Maybe let's not worry about innings as much for Olsen, and let's just go straight to the pen, see if we can piece together a performance here, try to hold on to a, the, the lead. And then game two, Lorenzen's just going to have to give us six no matter what. And instead, you had to do both, right? Because Reese Olsen only recorded one out in that inning. Couldn't get out of it. The inning from Heck, right? The fourth. And his pitch count was high. And you still had to use the, a lot of the bullpen because he, he couldn't even get past the third inning. And you still had to tell Michael Lorenzen, you got to give us six no matter what. So I, I just, I, I feel like I would have preferred if they just went all in on game one with a lead when you had it and just, I'm okay if you just 
not punt game two, but you already won a series against the Braves. I'd be a lot less critical of how it was managed if you just went kind of all out in one of the two games, whichever one it ended up being. So that was my only real frustration. But again, really a rock and a hard place type of situation there, uh, trying to get innings any way they can out of this uh, pitching staff as a whole. Let's transition into the offense, though. We've talked enough about the pitching and the innings and whatnot. I've probably said innings a million times this episode um, already. The offense showed out. Seven runs in game one, five runs in game two. Now, a trend that we're seeing that is unfortunate, uh, along with many trends that this offense, uh, many unfortunate trends this offense has, I should say, um, they lately... And in the month of May, have been getting really good approaches and execution against the opposing team's starting pitcher, right? Spencer Strider is one of the best pitchers this league has to offer, and the offense was all over him for two innings, right? Three homers. We'll talk about Miguel Cabrera and Spencer Torkelson later. Eric Haas hits a homer. Even their outs are loud. They, they were doing really well. And they were sitting fastball early. That was the trick. They just said, you know what? We're, we're selling out. Fastball first two pitches, and let's see what happens. Then Strider made one adjustment, and the Tigers didn't really have a whole lot after that for the next few innings. Got a run back in the fifth there. Uh, and then they did score in the eighth and ninth inning of game one. But we have seen, honestly, that they just are – for whatever reason, see Rysel Iglesias really well. We'll talk about that, uh, I guess, at some point as well. Um, but they have a tendency to, they're all over a starter, right? First time through the lineup, maybe even second time through the lineup, all over them. Then the opposing team's bullpen just throws blanks and the team is able to get back into the ballgame. And I feel like that's exactly what happened in this one, again, like the last two innings they scored, it was already a five-run game. Now, again, in the ninth, you had a chance to do something. You made a little bit of noise, right? You had a little bit of fun there. Got some runners on base. You had the tying run at the plate twice in the last couple of innings. That's all very, very true. Game one is fine. But game two was very, right? You had five runs in the first four innings and then nothing the rest of the game. You had four of your five runs in one inning. So, like, th this team is not incapable of having, getting a lot of base runners on base in one inning. We, we've seen it a lot. They don't have any ability to hit with runners in scoring position, which is why it's always for not. But we, we've seen that all season. They, they've shown lately, again, they've had the ability to get the big inning. Put up three, four, five runs in an inning. But there's no consistent, long, game-wide approach for this team whatsoever. They don't attack whoever the first out of the pen is Go to FanDuel and put uh, uh, a lot of units on whoever the first is out of the pen against the Tigers to just have like a perfect two innings. Because that that's what it feels like. And then again, they made a little bit of noise late in game one. Didn't really make any noise after the fourth in game two. So that's just something that we've been seeing a lot, even in, even in May, right? Like, th this was an offense that approach-wise did really well against starters. Look, this starter's really good. The Tigers are, are working counts. He's leaving the ball game. 
There's several big names there in the month of May that they really got to and kicked out of the game early and then blanks the rest of the night. And that's what both of these games felt like. Game one kind of out of hand there at the end, but but still, uh, to their credit, fought a little bit more than I'm used to. So that's just something I wanted to address. But again, as a whole, what, are you going to ask for too much more from the Tigers' offense than seven and five runs against the Atlanta Braves? I don't think you are. I don't think you probably should. (laughs) For your own sake, I don't think you should. I think that that's probably about as much as you can ask for. All right, we'll, we'll get into the rest of the game right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in as always. Um, so just talking about the, the, the offensive approach here, uh, really got to Strider, which was great. Um, and uh, again, re- really found success early on in game two as well. Uh, the biggest thing was obviously the power stroke. The ball was flying all over the yard uh, in both of these games. And a lot of home runs hit. You know what? We're going to jump the the itinerary here. Wild stat is literally just a funny stat that I, I found. I tweeted it out as well. Jake Rogers leads the Tigers in homers. Okay. He has nine home runs on the season. He leads the Tigers in homers. A um, little bit sad that the team leader has nine, but we were like wondering if we were going to have anyone hit double digits in, in June of last year. So, I guess June, did I say July? I guess in June, mid-June, we'll uh, we'll, we'll kind of take what we can get there. But the team leader has nine homers. In games in which Jake Rogers has hit a home run in, the Tigers are 0-8. He's hit nine homers. He had one multi-homer game, right? Was that earlier this week, over the weekend maybe? They have yet to win a game in which Jake Rogers has hit a home run and he leads the team in home runs. Do you know how awful of a stat that is? That's dreadful. It's hilarious, but dreadful. Just unbelievable. This team never fails to amaze me. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess we can get kind of to the, the individual approaches here. Uh, I do want to talk about Spencer Torkelson and Miguel Cabrera, but we'll kind of talk about them uh, at, truly kind of isolated as themselves there. Um, I thought that McKinstry, uh, he puts together decent at-bats. His OPS is all the way down to 732 now, goodness, um, considering it was over 800 just, uh, what, a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago. The biggest thing with McKinstry, well, we've said it a lot, we're going to say it again, fastballs up and away, huge hole in his swing. Cannot hit fastballs up and away and chases a lot that are way out of the strike zone up and away. And spinny breaking pitches down at his ankles. Almost a guaranteed whiff currently. Needs to make adjustments at that or else people are just going to only throw those the rest of the season and he's toast. But when the ball's not in one of those two zones, he's still crushing the baseball and hitting it hard and working counts and getting decent at-bats. That's literally the only gripe I have, but it's a huge one because the scouting report is out now and everybody knows it. So got to make an adjustment there. Um, I don't even know who else. Javi had a few hits in this one. I don't even care. He's got a 587 OPS. I'm not trying to be dramatic or anything, 
But like why anyone throws him anything besides fastballs at his eyes and sliders low and away is beyond me. Um, like the only thing he can hit is middle and in. Uh, I guess all pitches, middle and in. I was going to say just breaking balls, but he can turn on a fastball still too. He did that today. So like why, like in the strike zone, middle and in, pitches all you have to do is just hit the outer half of the plate with anything fastballs breaking it doesn't matter and it's and and it's nothing's gonna come of it he did have a few hits on the day a few in in a couple in game one and then the one in game two so hopefully that can i don't know heat him up and, and and we can get somewhere with him but um, just a, a really, really unfortunate season for for Javi, and uh, yeah, like he he's he's not opting out. Like uh, you don't hold your breath; your, your face is going to turn purple. Uh, he's he's here for the next four, as far as I'm concerned. I'm already I've already come to terms with it. Matt Veerling turns on a turns on a pitch and pull side in the air. Something we talked about back way like middle of May. We talked about it, but we, we've been talking about this since end of April, early May. Matt Verling has a hard time pulling the baseball in the air, and that's something that we've addressed a lot. And then the conversation kind of went away because he got hurt and whatever, and now crushes a baseball to the pull side. Good to see from him, um, Jake Rogers, again, like, I mean, solid. His OPS is 716 despite a 174 OPS. The dude walks a lot. Say what you will about the average. It's very true. He walks a lot, and he has power. He's just like a very three-true-outcome 2023-style hitter. But a 716 OPS is sadly one of the best on this team. So we'll take it. I think that's kind of it. Like, everybody had a decent approach. I thought there wasn't anybody. Uh, Andy Abanez continues to to go on a little bit of a heater. Had another homer in this game. Um, So, I mean, that's good to see. Uh, he's just going to be a, a roller coaster. He's going to go through his 0 for 15 stretches, and then he's going to go on his uh, 1,000 OPS for a week stretches because he's just such a free swinger, bat-to-ball kind of guy. Just when the bad bit block is in his favor or when he's hitting homers, um, he, he's going to go on a heater, and when it's not, he's not. Okay, let's talk about Spencer Torkelson. Uh, Tork has a phenomenal game. When was that? Wednesday? No. Today's, wow, not even close. Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, he has a phenomenal game and today, or was that Monday? Oh my goodness. All the days of the week. Just, it was Monday. It was definitely Monday. Now that I think about it, uh, Tuesday was the rain out day. Monday, he has a phenomenal game, uh, very good end of the ball game specifically. And then with Wednesday, I keep wanting to say with the game. That's why I keep like hesitating with this game, but we played two games and it's just my usual, usual phrasing. And I'm not used to it on the day. He starts off with a absolute bomb of a home run again. And everybody's like, Oh my goodness, maybe he's turning a corner. Maybe he's figured it out. He draws a couple of walks on the day too. has another hit. Uh, as the day goes along, like a, a pretty solid day at the office. His OPS is now over 700, which is still like, we're not even talking about a league average hitter. Like league average OPS is, I think it's around 730 so far this season, 735 maybe. Like we're still talking about a below league average season as a whole. 
but he had a much better May than he did April. And the last three or four games, there's been a noticeable change in production. There's been a noticeable change in lifting the ball. Everybody talks about the high exit velocities and everybody gets upset because he doesn't have results, even though he has high exit velocities. And it's a huge debate. What fixes all of that is if he just lifted the ball a little bit more. He's hitting line drives. He's got a, hard, a pretty darn high line drive rate. But when you're hitting the ball to the moon, 440 feet, that's not a line drive. That's a fly ball. So he just needs, I'm not asking for pop-outs, but he needs to just lift the ball with the same exit velocity that he's been having. And we're just going to see an explosion of extra base hits. Now, that's obviously a lot easier said than done. It's not just, a, oh, why doesn't he just do this? I'm not trying to say that. It's it's obviously very, very difficult to make that small adjustment at the major league level. Um, but hopefully, we're seeing that corner turned, and hopefully, that is what is happening in front of our eyes. Again, on base twice in game two, the homer with an, a walk as well in game one. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that this is finally kind of the stretch we can look back on. Because, again, we'll go back to when Randy Green went down. We needed either Baez or Torkelson to step up if this team even wanted to remotely try and keep their head above water. Now, they went out and lost nine straight because neither of them did that at first. But we can isolate those nine games and just take them for what they are, which is nine random games in June, and hopefully go on and play semi-competent baseball if Torkelson truly does start hitting the ball better for the rest of the month. So we'll see. Not saying it will or won't happen, but we'll see. Let's end on Miguel Cabrera. Uh, we'll talk about Minnesota a little bit too. But uh, Miguel Cabrera has been on an absolute heater. The reason why, it, it, it's truly, if you just watch the at-bats, and he said it himself, this isn't a, rev- isn't a revolutionary thing, but it's just his timing is stellar now all of a sudden. The bat speed has gotten slower and slower and slower over the years. Um, I'm sure that the timing for when he has to pick up a ball has changed a lot over the last six, seven years, just because of how his body is just honestly not to be like way over the top with it, but is unfortunately just deteriorating. And so clearly something has clicked and some timing he has figured out because it's not just like, Bad Bippy, oh, look, he's getting hits, but like, eh, they're kind of bad, like really just good luck hits and they're bloopers and they're soft contact and whatever. He is crushing the baseball. He had a pull side home run on a 96 mile an hour fastball that was a ball inside and turned on it to the pull side and almost cleared the bullpen. 102 mile an hour exit velo or whatever. Smoked it. He had a double in this game to the pull side in the gap. His last five games, he's hitting dang near 500 with extra base power. He's got multiple doubles and now the homer. He is crushing the baseball over the last, I think it's the Tigers' last 10 games and his last five. Just smoking the baseball in his last 20 plate appearances. You got to play him. You got to play him. The average is up to 226. The OPS is up to 624. He's on an absolute heater that has made his numbers like actually on par with the rest of the team, which is still a testament to just like 
how not good the Tigers' offense is. That 624 is, like, right in the mix. But, like, you're trying to field the best lineup every day? As it stands currently, that probably involves the growing pains of Kerry Carpenter in the outfield and Miguel Cabrera at DH. And if you want to pinch hit him late or pinch run him or whatever, I'm fine with that. I'm not saying this is going to last the rest of the year and he's just going to be like what Albert Pujols in the second half of last year and just like (laughs) turn into a monster. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But you got to ride this while it's happening because you just need any... I don't care if, if one of the bat boys started hitting 500. He's in the lineup every day and he's in the top half of the lineup. I don't care. I don't care who you are or what your name is. If you can hit, the Tigers desperately need you. So you should probably be throwing Miggy out there uh, fairly often at this point. One of the hottest hitters on the team. If not the hottest, to be completely honest with you. Ride it for as long as you can because you don't know when it's going to go away. For a production standpoint and for a fan viewership standpoint. You don't know how many hot streaks of Miguel Cabrera you have left in your life. Tigers head to Minnesota for a four-game set. They'll play game one. Today on uh, today is Thursday at seven ten. Uh, then they will go. It is in Minnesota, as I said. Then they will play an eight o'clock game Friday, a two o'clock game on Saturday, and a two o'clock game on Sunday. So, with this series, I mean, like you're hilariously still only quote unquote seven games back, even though you're one in nine in your last ten and like one in. 11 in your last 12 or something like that. You're still just hilariously. That's incredible that you're only seven games back. The Twins are two games over 500. This is no longer the, the you know, Twins are a game under 500 and leading the division. They are two games over at a 35 and 33 record. Carlos Correa has been swinging a little bit of a hotter stick lately, but he has struggled this season as a whole. Um, the biggest thing for Minnesota is they have gotten a lot of really good pitching especially early on. Some of that has eased up a little bit. They're not getting quite the same production they were getting from the top three in their rotation that they were early on in the season, but their rotation is still miles better than what you're rolling out there at the moment. Um, the biggest thing really is, is I don't know, like oddly enough, just, okay, I'm not even going to say that. I was going to say who scores more runs, but I'm not going to be the, the, well, the key to the game is just score more than the opponent. I'm not being that guy. It, it, it's going to come down to to the offense, I think, specifically. These are two offenses that are not lighting the world on fire this year. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you you have a chance to, <laughs> you know, oddly enough, you, you've lost 11 of your last 12. It's the middle of June. You're 12 games under 500, and you have a chance, if you go take three or four, to kind of reinsert yourself back <laughs> into the division race because – that's the 2023 AL Central. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, let's let's just try to walk out of Minnesota with a couple of wins on our, under our belt. We'll start there. Um, thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown MLB podcast. It rocks. Sully rocks. Um, appreciate you all for tuning in. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game one of that set and previewing the weekend ahead. Yeah, I think that's it. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope, and I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.